you have your Bibles or your smartphones, if you have a Bible app, we're going to be in Malachi today, the book of Malachi. And if you're just joining us for the first time, we've been in the middle of a series called Bless This Home. Today will be the last message of that series. But the word bless, it's the Hebrew definition of this word, means to invoke divine favor, favor from God, or acted upon you, a, a positive disposition toward the recipient. In other words, God is positively bringing favor towards you in, in every area of your life, in, in, in marriage, in, in raising your children, and uh, in, in, in just your routine of life, your rhythm of life. God wants to bless you. Uh, the way I have been saying it is blessing means you have a supernaturally biased favor from God, a supernaturally biased favor from God. So week one, we talked about what does it mean to have a blessed marriage, and we, and we said, well, if you want a blessed marriage, you have to live a Christ-centered life. If you have a Christ-centered life, whether you're dating or you're going to date soon or you're married now or maybe you're single again, uh, you can do this right now in all of those spheres, no matter where you are on that spectrum, but if you live a Christ-centered life, you're going to honor your spouse. You're going to honor the person you're dating. You're going to, if you start living honoring now, you'll honor them whether they're lovable or not, uh, whether they deserve it or not, because Jesus has asked you to. That'll bring a blessing to your relationships. It'll bring God's favor because he is on you. And then uh, week two, we talked about slowing down. We talked about how Sabbath and all of these things, the topics we're talking about, literally the scriptures tell us it brings a blessing to our life. When we honor the Sabbath, it brings a blessing to the routine of your life. Sabbath is the way that we eliminate hurry in our life. And we live a fast-paced culture right now. God wants to bless you. He wants to replenish you. He wants to give you rest. Sabbath is the way that you find the blessing of rest. Last week, we talked about raising children. And if you want a blessing, you want God's blessing on parenting, then teach your children that God is loving. Show them that he's approachable. Help them see that God wants to be involved in your life. Because if raising children to you is about teaching them rules, what will happen is you'll have rebellion. It needs You need to help them see the relationship of God. Rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. But when we teach our children that God is approachable, that he's loving, he's involved, that's how you have a blessing on passing your faith onto your children. So today we're going to wrap up how uh, to walk in a supernatural blessing on our finances. This is a thing uh, in the Bible. Uh, and I think if I were to ask the question, how many of you wish you could give more? I think when it comes to generosity or when it comes to tithing or it comes to living a generous lifestyle, we know as followers of Jesus, we're meant to do that. Uh, but if we're honest, we live in a culture that really um, struggles with material things, struggles with materialism. We struggle with living generosity and certainly forget about a tithe. A tithe, if you don't know, this means 10%. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Like what is the, that's a Hebrew word, means one-tenth. And, we, and uh, if you've ever had to process that, it, there's reasons why we don't give, live generously and let alone tithe. And one is we just think we can't afford it. Right, uh, we we can't afford to give. Maybe we have too much debt, or we don't feel like we have enough income yet. One day, when I get to this certain level, or I, or you know, this thing is done in my life, then then I'll get there. And the reality is, you probably won't, because giving is not an income thing; it's a heart issue. And uh, so when people say, I can't afford to tithe, I'm like, you can't afford not to. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Another reason why is um, we don't think it's a New Testament thing. Like there's this, there's this like, you know, there's a, we're not under the law anymore. And tithing is an Old Testament law thing. 
And I, I would challenge you on that because the reality is tithing is spread all through scriptures from Genesis all the way into the New Testament. And it's not a law thing. It's pre-law. Uh, we can find marriage in the law, but it's still marriage was a thing before it became a law, right? Uh, think of like murder, uh, thou shalt not murder is under the Old Testament law, but the principle of valuing life is still a principle, even though we live in a New Testament thing. For instance, Abraham was the, one of the first instances in the Bible where we see tithing. He gives a tenth of all of his wealth to Melchizedek. Most scholars believe Melchizedek is a representation of Christ. We see Jacob do this. We see Isaiah, or I mean, I'm sorry, um, uh, Isaac do this. We see Moses does institute it as a law, but it was already a spiritual principle before the law ever came into being. Jesus affirms it. In the book of Matthew, he tells us you ought to tithe. Uh, we see in the book of Hebrews, uh, I believe it's uh, chapter 6 and 7, uh, you, you see that the uh, New Testament writers affirm it as well. And we also have scriptures outside uh, of, of the Bible, not scriptures, but documents outside of the Bible that the uh, apostolic fathers, so that's the first 100 to 200 years after the church, there is documentation that the early church practiced tithing. So it is scriptural, <laughs> and it, is, it's not, it, it isn't abolished with New Testament. In fact, most scholars believe New Testament believers went way beyond a tenth of their income and lived very generous to the Lord. But I think if we're honest, and let me just pause and say this, what I share today, it, it, this is going to be a challenging message if you don't live generous or you don't tithe. And, and I want you to know, my, in, my, in, I, in my purest heart, my purest moments, there's no judgment from me because I believe this message will change your life. And it's changed my life living generously. It's changed my life when I, when I started tithing. Uh, so there's no judgment. But if, from what I recollect what's happening for me and Jen, I think the, the most kind of issue about this is we're afraid. It's not really an income thing. Uh, it's not how much money we make. Uh, we just don't want to give up control. We fear letting go and letting God control. At the end of the day, the real issue is we want to be in control of our money. So it's not an income thing. It's a heart issue. And so today we're going to read from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, if you have, your, you, you have that with you today. I thought I was there, but I guess I wasn't. Uh, and Malachi gives in very clear terms how to honor God with our finances. Um, and the result we're going to see in a moment is blessing. Now, let me talk to you about this, the book of Malachi, because it's the last book in the Old Testament, and it was written 400 years before Jesus. It's one of the, Malachi was one of the minor prophets, and it's interesting because this, this is the thing God talks about before the New Testament happens. And it, this is the very book that tells us about John the Baptist. It's the prophecy that tells us John the Baptist. So it is actually tied to the New Testament. But in case you're wondering if this is for New Testament believers, I want to talk to you about the heart of Malachi. So Malachi is basically dealing with some covenant-breaking things with the people of Israel. The first thing he deals with is priests who are not living with integrity. Do you think... We should, as religious leaders, pastors, priests, whatever denomination you're in, do you think it's a godly thing that religious leaders have integrity? 
Okay, yeah, some of us believe that's a thing. Okay, well, so God gets it right there, right? The front of Malachi, look, priests, you need to live with integrity. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Then he, he starts talking about the marriage covenant, and we should be honorable in marriage. Would you agree that, the, 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 I'm going to give you the answer, because some of you didn't get the first answer. It, it, the answer is yes, but maybe you don't agree with me. But would you agree if you're married, you should value the covenant of marriage and live honorably? Yes, okay, so God got that right. He gets the priest thing right. He gets marriage right. And then he starts talking about social justice issues. He starts talking about justice for the orphan and justice for the widow. And so he starts talking, would you, do you believe that we should believe in justice for all people? Okay, so three out of three, God gets it right. Are you with me? You're probably like, I don't like where this is going. Uh, would you agree with me? Three out of three, God gets it right. Religious leaders should have integrity. We should honor marriage. We should value justice. Okay. He ends it with finances. So if God in the book of Malachi gets the first three right, I'm willing to bet he gets the fourth one right. Uh, super quiet in the room. Super quiet in the room. But this is probably one of the clearest text on living generous, on tithing. What's a tithe? We're going to talk about that, but this is uh, Malachi chapter 3, and now he talks about breaking covenant with God by withholding generosity. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. Let me just pause right there. That right there, I'll tell us that this is for New Testament believers because God doesn't change. He, we should still value generosity. I, the Lord, do not change. So you see, descendants of Jacob, um, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. I just say, all right, that's not for us. That, that's for the people of Israel. Look, marriage is for all people. Justice is for all people. Religion, Christianity is for all people. Yes, this is for us too. In fact, the New Testament tells us we're engrafted. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are engrafted into the nation of Israel. So this is a message to us too. And he says this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now you may be here and if someone was to ask you, hey, how do I get right with God? Like, how do I return to God? We would probably say something like, well, you, you know, you, you ask for forgiveness of sins, invite him in your heart, and that's true. That's step number one. You have to be right with God. But we can know God and be loved by God and still not have the blessing of God on our life. And this is what he said. I want you to return to a blessing. And he, he, so he doesn't say, now watch, Malachi doesn't say pray more. Start going to church more consistently. That's what your pastor would say. Uh, but Malachi doesn't say those things. He doesn't say go to church, pray more, read your Bible more in the morning. Make sure you have, you know, devotions and things like that. Make sure you're involved in community. Those are all good things. But it's not how Malachi tells us to return to God. Look at how he says it in our finances. Watch this. He says, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Pastor Mike, this is strong. It's probably one of the strongest teachings. I do this maybe once every uh, a couple of years for sure, but probably once a year I try to talk about tithing and, and challenging. But will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. 
And he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, let me just pause and say, God is not saying I'm cursing you. He's saying the world system is under a curse. And if you do not tithe, you're operating under a curse system. You get things done. You could save, like, all those things, but, but you don't have the blessing of God on you. The opposite is a cursed system. And he says, he's just telling me, he's honest with him. He's like, look, you're robbing me, and I get it, but you're under a cursed system. And this is how I want you to return to me. So I want to give you uh, a couple of principles today. But before I do, he's mentioned this word tithe. Tithe is a Hebrew word, and it means 10%. God is literally saying, bring a tenth of your income, a tenth of your resources to me. A tithe is the spiritual discipline of giving a God a tenth of our income. Now, this was wrote in agricultural times when most people were farmers or shepherds or something of that nature, and they would give a tenth of their crop. But if they were far away from the temple or far away from the synagogue, they would sell that fruit or they would sell their sheep or whatever they're farming, their produce, and they would bring the income, the literal money, to the house of God. And that was a tenth of all of their increase. It's all through scriptures. So... What's the principle of it, and why do we do it? Malachi tells us. So the first thing he says, he says, and tithes are, you're under a curse, a whole nation. Verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe, that's the tenth, the whole thing. The, well, I tithe 5%. No, that's not a tithe. You're giving, you're giving, that you're, you're starting somewhere, and that's a, a good first step. But I would say the goal is not to get to the tenth, some people think that, like, oh, I can't wait to get to No, no, that's the starting point. That's the starting point. It says tithes and offerings. A tithe is a tenth of income. Offering is generosity above and beyond that. He says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This, this was a, a literal rooms around the temple. So the storehouse represents the church, and he tells us why, that there may be food in my house because the Levites and the priests lived off the tithe. Uh, that's how God took care. That's how God did things. So principle number one of the tithe is it provides resources to the local church to meet spiritual needs and physical needs of our community. So when he says storehouse, he's literally talking about the temple. Well, uh, then it eventually became synagogues, and then in Christianity we call them churches, but uh, ecclesia churches, same thing. When you give a tenth of your income, it provides resources to the to the local church. The tithe is, is a spiritual discipline, but it's also God's method of financing kingdom causes, kingdom work, like the return event that we talked about. That's why we thanked you. Like, hey, you're causing spiritual needs to be met by giving to the church, and we're, we're changing people's lives. So last night, I did a quick little research. In 2019, um, we spent $95 billion on pet food. And research shows that it's about 10 to 20 percent, uh, it's 10 percent of Christians tithe, about 20 percent of the church finances uh, what happens at a church. The other 80 percent just come to church. And look, again, there's, there's no judgment, but uh, we, we do want to challenge you because your generosity 
helps us uh, have kingdom impact. And without that generosity, it limits kingdom impact. But out of that 10% in 2019, about 50 billion, uh, one one of the research I've seen said about 50 billion came to to the local church. So do you know we give more money to animals than to God's kingdom work? And this is, this is old data, but Relevant Magazine in 2013 um, shared, like, if every Christian uh, would tithe. And this is interesting to say, by the way, most Christians worldwide do tithe. Most Christians worldwide do tithe, but it's Western culture, the wealthiest, and we're, we're the least likely to give. And, the, and research shows the more income we make, the even less we, it starts dropping. Which is shocking to me, and and it shows the 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 uh, the myth that if I have more and when I get more or I get that raise or I get out of debt, then I will do it. No, you won't, because giving is not an tithing is not an income thing; it's a heart issue. But here's what they said: if if, if people would make that leap, we could bring in sixty five billion dollars. The global impact would be phenomenal if we tied. Listen to this: this is according to Relevant Magazine. Twenty five billion could re uh, could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death uh, preventable deaths from diseases within five years. This, if the church globally would would tithe. twelve billion could eliminate uh, uh, illiteracy within five years. Fifteen billion could solve world's water and sanitation issues, 1 billion could fully fund overseas missions work, 100 and 100 to 110 billion would still be left over for additional ministries. You could pay off most building debts. Could you imagine most church debts? Could you imagine the kind of impact we would have if people would bring the tithe to the local church so that we could meet the spiritual needs of the world? God knew what he, knew, knew what he, he was doing. So let's keep reading. Verse, so verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there's food in my house so we can meet spiritual needs. Number three, you know, this is shocking to me. It goes on to say, test me in this, says the Lord. Scripture, it's very clear that we are not to test the Lord our God. So scriptures say, except in the area of giving. Except in the area, of, you can actually test God in this. He says, test me in this. Why is that? Because he wants to prove himself faithful to you. He knows there's a fear in us to hold on to everything we can get. And, you know, because we fear that if, if I give, I won't have enough left over for myself. God said, no, I'm going to take care of you. So principle number two is this. It actually demonstrates who, who's master in your life. Tithing demonstrate who is the master of your life, God or money. I know it's getting super quiet. Uh, Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, we can only have one master. It's either God or money. And uh, can we honestly say, God is my master, not my money? Can you honestly say that? Because it's not an income thing. It's a heart issue. Jesus said this. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, most translations say money. You, cannot, you, can, you can't do both. And well, how do I know, Pastor Mike? It's simple. Uh, and it's, a, it's huge. The rich young ruler asked Jesus, hey, what do I got to do to get eternal? He said, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. 
said he went away sad because he had great wealth. And I believe wealth in America, we, we are a materialistic nation. It is one of our idols to keep, we are a consumeristic uh, society. We consume and consume and consume. It's a, our idol. So it's kind of the same test that Jesus was putting the rich young ruler away. I believe if he would have done it, God would have returned. In fact, the disciples said, who can be saved? Who could do that? The disciples literally say that. And he said, look, I'll restore tenfold. Like in your lifetime, I'll, I'll do that to you. I'll, I'll bring that back into your life. So if God asked you to give up everything financially, your income, your job, for him or for a cause of his, would you do it? Because that's the test of who's God of your life. And if it's like, oh, you might walk away deeply sad like the rich young ruler because you have great wealth. When I was invited in a ministry, full-time, that is, in 2002, I was in it part-time for four years, served two years as a volunteer, so six years volunteering, basically. But in order to go into ministry, I had to take a $10,000 pay cut, which is a lot of money even today, back in 2002. So, but we prayed through it, and it wasn't really a huge wrestling. I mean, we had to make sacrifices to do it. We had to get creative with the budget, but we trusted God because money wasn't going to be my master and determine my thing. I said, I'll do it. And then when we planted the church, and I thought I'd be in Kalamazoo forever, but then when we planted the church, it was even more than that. It was like half my income went half because I quit my job to move to Jackson, Michigan. But at the end of the day, money does, will not rule my life. I'm not saying I don't wrestle with it. I'm not saying I don't process it. I'm not saying I don't scratch. You know, it, you know, I calculate. But at the end of the day, I want God's blessing on my life, and I will not be ruled by money. I, I will live uh, God's way. But it's a test. It'll test you for sure. He says, test me in this. He wants you to test him out because he wants, one, it'll prove to you who's master of your life, God or, or money. And the way you answer that question will help you. And I want you to know, I, in, again, in my purest heart, this is not to judge. This is to get something in you. God, God is saying, return to me. He wants to get something to us, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, but it's a test. I remember one of the first tests of us financially we, we had started tithing. My wife hated tithing. I grew up, I learned, I started tithing at 17, 18 years old, and it's just because I read this passage. And I had to figure out what's a tenth, what's a tithe, and that's when I learned all that. And I just, I just believed God. I just started doing it. No one, no one said, oh, that's Old Testament. You don't do that anymore. I just jumped right to it and said, bless me. Well, I met my wife. She's like, no, you don't do that. You don't give to God. You don't buy God's love. I'm like, no, that's not what this is. It, it's, it's an honor thing. It's a, it, it, it's God wants to bring a blessing. But one day, I wanted to give above and beyond our tithe, and we had no money. We were broke, just broke, 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 19, 20 years old. And uh, all we had was $20 left over. And we're on the way to church. It was a Wednesday night. We're driving to church. And I felt just like it was the Holy Spirit. And I just felt like I'm supposed to give $20. Well, it's all we had. And when all you have, well, given all you have at all is a sacrifice. Whether it's 100000 or 20 bucks, if it's all you got, that's a sacrifice. And so I told Jenny, like, I feel like the Lord wants us to give this $20. And she was mad. She was like, are you kidding me? Like, we got to get diapers. Like, we have no food hardly, and you want to give 20 I, I said, I know it's weird, but I sense the Lord is telling me to do this. 
And she's like, whatever. And uh, so we were a little spat on the way to church. So the offering plate comes by. This was pre-COVID days when you used to pass buckets. And uh, so, you know, pass by, I drop in the $20. Sorry. And, and, I, and I pray over it. And let me just say this. This is not in my message notes, but engage your heart with your giving. Pray over it. Jen and I, we text in our giving. We set up the text thing. But before I send it, I literally pray, say, God, thank you for you know, just providing. And, and I text it and send it out. But I prayed over that $20. And uh, this, was, uh, this was before we ever went to Radiant Church. But a woman, Doyle and Linda Jackson, were elders in this church. And I had not met them, but Linda came up to me. She says, I know I don't know you. And the church is over. I know I don't know you. And you don't know who I am. But during worship tonight, the Lord told me to give you $20. And Jen and I, we're in the car. We're high-fiving each other on the way home. And it's like, didn't I tell you? She's like, yeah, you said it. And like, we are celebrating. And like, what happened? We tested the Lord, and he proved himself true. Now, I'm not saying that happens every time. Don't mishear me. But what I'm saying is we tested God. He proved himself faithful. And I know this is a trite thing to say. You can never outgive God. You're never going to be able to outgive God. In fact, Paul tells us in the Corinthians that he supplies seed to the sower. If you sow into the kingdom of God, he will keep bringing reciprocal seed into your life. He says in, in Genesis, he blesses us to be a blessing. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. So uh, let, let's keep reading those. So test me in this, says the Lord. Am I going to need to switch? I'm getting a nod. All right. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. I apologize. That's why we magically have mics back here for such a time as this. Let me go, one sec. Okay. Let's keep reading. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God attaches a promise to the tithe. And you can pull this down a little because I'm wanting to talk louder. <clears throat> Again, he says, I'm going to bless you. Blessing is God's supernatural bias to you. Number three, when you tithe, it literally opens the floodgates of God's blessing over your life. When you give a tenth, the Lord says, I'm going to pour out. This is what he's saying to testament. Test me to see if I will not open the windows of heaven. One of your translations says that. And pour out such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it all. Look, when we withhold God's tithe, and by the way, 100% of it's his. But if we're honest, we think we're better with the 100% than God, than God could do with the 10 if we gave it to him. But when we withhold it, we're robbing God of the pleasure of blessing us. This is what you're robbing him of. He doesn't need your money. It's not like God's going broke. It's not like God's up in heaven and like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? He's going to get it done. If it's his kingdom cause, he's going to finance it. He's going to make it work. He's going to move it forward. But you're robbing him of the pleasure of blessing you. God wants to bring a blessing. Now, I'm not saying this blessing means you're going to get a new Cadillac or you're going to get, you know, it's, it's not that. It's the blessing works out in so many other ways. And it could be there, it's even on the other side of eternity. 
had a young man, probably mid-20s, after first service came up to me, and he said to me, Pastor Mike, it's true. Uh, he, he said, uh, we, me and my wife started tithing maybe about a year, year and a half ago, and this is absolutely true. He said, within that time frame, we paid off both our cars. He said, it is true. My life is overflowing, and we know it's because of the tithe. And you would be hard-pressed. I'm not saying it's never happened, but you would be hard-pressed to show me somebody who's, who took God at his word and tested him and started tithing and come back and say, I did it and it didn't work. I, I think one time in the 20-plus years I've been in ministry, one time I've ever seen anybody say it, it didn't work. Now, I didn't want to be rude and I didn't want to be judgmental, so I didn't press and I didn't ask questions. I just said, okay, but here's what I know. Either you're lying or God is. And guess who I'm picking? You didn't do something. You're, you're, you either didn't really do it or you, you're, or you didn't put your heart in it or you made it an income thing. And uh, I'm telling you, it brings a blessing in your life. Now, when I was hired, my first year in ministry, Pastor Lee sent me to get my photo taken because uh, are we out of time already? I'm going to keep going. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> too important. Uh, he, he sent me to get my photo taken by this photographer. His name was Tim. And I go into a studio. drove up to Grand Rapids. I go into Tim's studio. And it's posh. It's, like, really nice. And it's, like, all the, all the, the seniors, they're going to this guy to get their senior picture taken. It's who every mom wants their family photo taken by Tim. And he's, like, the, the sought-out photographer of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Tim uh, was one of the first guys to get in on developing photo over the Internet, you know, back in early 2000s, which made him a millionaire several times over. But I, I was looking at this place. I said, Tim, the studio is awesome. And he's like, yeah. And I said, how did this happen? He's like, he said, I know this is weird. That's how he said it to me. He said, I know this is a strange thing. He said, but um, when I started my business, he said, I was broke. And he said, I had no money. And he said, I was in my apartment. And I had, I literally had crates for furniture and a broke down couch. And I needed God. He said, I went to church. And he said, it just happened that that Sunday, the pastor was teaching on tithing. And he said, and I just, and he said, you know, to test God. He said, so I did it. And he said, in that week, work came to me. And then more work, and then more work. And, then, you know, now I own this building, and we're launching this internet business. And God is this blessing. And he said, he said, Mike, it's the tithe. It's the tithe. What is that? Well, God opened the windows of heaven. He wants to bless you. If you withhold the tithe, you rob him of the pleasure of blessing you and opening the windows of heaven. Let's wrap it up here in verse 11. He tells us what that looks like. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. In other words, now that you're under the blessing of God, if something, he, he doesn't say the devourer doesn't come. It will come, but he's going he's gonna to prevent it from devouring you. The pest might come. The washer might break. The car might break down. But somehow, God is going to prevent that thing from destroying you financially. He says, then all nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Look, in agricultural terms, and any farmer today, this is still true. If your crops are devoured, you have an economic loss. What does the tithing do? Number one, it provides resources for God's house. Number two, it demonstrates who's master in your life. God 
or money. Number three, it literally brings a supernatural biased blessing from God. And number four, it protects you. It protects you from financial oppression. Why? Because tithing removes the financial cursed system and puts you into the blessed system. So if you're here today and you're not a tither, I would say ask the Lord to give you faith for that. Ask the Lord, what am I, what am I to do with this message, God? Because I do think we all want that. It's not a judgment thing. I think we all want to do that. But there is a fear. There is like a control. We, we don't want to let go. We must hold on to it. So just ask the Lord, Lord, give me, give me faith. And if you are a giver, you are a tither, then I would, I would say ask the Lord what your offering above and beyond that will be and where that will go to. But church, here's my encouragement. Take God at his word. Test him in this and see if he won't do it for you. I think he will. And I know this is, for some, it's an offensive message. And to me, that's an indication of who your God is. Everyone gets offended when we touch someone's idol. Some of us, we've already done it, and, we're, and you're nodding your head like, yes, this is true for me. Yes, this is true. And I would just say, take God at his word and trust him. Break out of the cursed system and watch him bring a blessing into your life. I share this message because I know it will change your life. Tithing will change your life. Stand up, I want to.